Yakmala! Yakmala! Welcome back, my friends, to the Cult Film Showdown. I am your host, 8th Dan Stanadu, and I am super duper happy to be with you today, and I am joined by my friends. My friends, including James Cotta. Oh! Oh! Monster Chiller Horror Theater! <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I mean, only that's, that's only slightly more serious than the movie we talked about. <laughs> played a bit more, a bit straighter than what we're about to talk about. <laughs> Jack Hall. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to... Actually, what the hell? I think everybody should do a woo. One second. Woo! Thanks, Ric Flair. All right. Uh... Oh, yeah, I think that was kind of a Ric Flair. That was a... <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then I guess that means we need to hear Nick Boxer's best woo as well. Greetings and salutations! <laughs> I'm not right. happy with that. I really am not. I like the Cleveland uh, Indians. <laughs> it's you know, it's I just all it. quality. And now I just love it. <laughs> okay, well, in case you haven't guessed, the movie that we are talking about is Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf, as we can How can they not on. guess from that? Yeah, I, I know, mean, right? It's obvious. <laughs> Anybody who's seen it should know by now. But, uh, as we carry uh, on with our... We're not going by the European title, Werewolf Bitch. Werewolf Bitch, that's right. Mm. But uh, yes, we're carrying on with our Sybil Danning season, Sibilance, and now... And this should be very interesting. Nick Boxer has to explain what this movie is actually about. <laughs> yeah. I have to say the narrative on this one is a little bit hard to get into. Really? But you don't say? <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems uh, Red Brown's sister was turned into a werewolf and killed, I think, by humans. But Christopher Lee comes in there and recruits uh, Red Brown and a friend, a reporter friend, to go to Transylvania to hunt down the werewolf queen. Why? I have no idea. Um, I think they just needed a white American on the team or a white American bungling couple for their wolf werewolf hunting team. I, I, I kind of get Red Brown wants revenge for his sister being killed by humans or being turned into a werewolf necessitating the need to be kill, killed. But really, his motivations in this are really sketchy. And I don't know why Christopher Lee needs anybody else to come with him to Transylvania. It seems he's already got like a werewolf hunting team assembled in Transylvania. Now, these werewolves, you know, they're ha they're hanging out in their home. They're having little werewolf orgies and listening to prod rock or punk rock or whatever hell the music is in this. They seem to be having a great old time. And, uh, you know, these folks head into Transylvania, start killing werewolves. I don't really see a why reason why, because the werewolves... You know, they're not really threatening to take over the world or anything. Uh, Sybil Danning, the werewolf queen, she makes some great fa uh, fashion choices before uh, finally uh, Christopher Lee storms into the castle and 
we sort of find out uh, that he's her brother, I think. They burst into the flames, and uh, Reb Brown and the werewolf, the, the girl that he drags along with her, retreat back to wherever they're from and have really unconvincing, not hot sex at the end. <laughs> There's, that's not quite the end, but we'll get into the actual end. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I mean, there's little funny things going on at the end there. But... Well, are we going to get to the end, or are we talking about the credits? But uh... <laughs> oh, the credits. That's a whole other discussion. The credits. There's the there's the epilogue, and then there's the credits. Those two <laughs> things both require their own discussion. <laughs> There's, it's this is such an interesting movie because it's it's one of those. I mean, you could tell that the that the director came from an art background and and like enjoyed the concept of making artistic movies. And the first, you know, I would say the first half feels like that until you get to Transylvania. And after Transylvania, after you arrive in Transylvania, it's like all bets are off and everything is wide open. And it's like it was like everything lost control and. And it didn't matter what happened because it made no sense, and it was completely batshit insane. I, as as usual, I have a series of questions. Uh, what? Why Transylvania? <laughs> I have like a theory that that this film, the despite being a screenplay that where the original Howling author took part in this screenplay, it's pretty obvious to me that the filmmakers in this movie, their entire knowledge of werewolves is derived from other movies that they haven't really paid attention to. Therefore, confusing werewolves and, and in many ways, sorcerers and vampires seems to be the norm here. Well, the script was rewritten. A few times. I, I, mean, I kind of feel like they were filming in Czechoslovakia, and they're like, "Well, that's kind of Transylvania-ish, right?" Um, so we'll, you know, we'll have them in Transylvania because none of the stuff, none of the stuff in the United States looks like the United States. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> it also looks like Czech. Like I, I got confused when they went from one place to another. I'm like, I'm not sure why any of the other stuff happened somewhere else, other than to explain why Red Brown's here. Because, like, <laughs> like, why? Why is Christopher Fully not not staying in Transylvania? Like, why is he in the United States? <laughs> oh yeah, and and I love that that you know they just managed to. There's so much in that, like, oh, so they're in the U.S., they're in L.A. or whatever, and it's just like, and now you have to travel to all the way over here, and me, and then there's of course all the cutaways to the band, and and at one point I was just like. Did, so did the band travel with them to Transylvania? <laughs> I love so so yes, they're in LA and there's there's a there's a scene with uh, with I think they're referred to as a punk rock band in the credits, but they're they're more like a new wave. New band. wave, yeah, Babel. Is and the... uh, and they they perform their song. Um, <laughs> boy, I boy, like this, it yes. I think it's five times in the film you hear the same song. I, I was wondering that there was that film. <laughs> What was it? New Year's Evil or whatever the one? Yeah. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, where they had a band and it played like they they were clearly they had paid the money for the song, so they decided to just play it over and over again. And I was wondering if this like 
topped the amount of times that one was played. Yeah, they were getting their money's worth out of the song for sure. And the and I'll bet you any money too that the one performance because I mean that like when they shot them in the club, I'm willing to bet they pretty much only shot them once in the club from a few different angles of that one song, and that was the extent <laughs> of it. Cut it in three dozen times. I feel like yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, there's there's a bit later on when the when the werewolf sex orgy is happening, uh, and they play the same song, and they cut to footage from that same performance in L.A. And I had the same moment of like, are they there? I was like, is this like thematic that they're that they're having sex and the punk rock band's playing? <laughs> I think they I, were like, always there in Transylvania. You just assume they're in L.A. with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it was nothing to indicate. That no, that band no, was there, no, no, you knew that they weren't because Christopher Lee was in oh, the club right. in the early going. And when you do Great look at image in the film. yes, when you do look at the at the cuts between the band playing and the the orgy, it's fairly obvious that they're not actually in the same place. I do believe that that's just an artistic statement by the uh, director. <laughs> Yeah, that's a choice. Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely a choice. Uh, I'd be, my, like, my, my wife, I was watching this and my wife Lacey was like reading a book in the same room, but was not watching the film. And about the third time the song came on, <laughs> <laughs> is this just, this, this is just the same song over and over, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, you're probably noticing it more than I am because you're not yes. uh, actually paying attention to the film itself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's a and and that's the thing about the storyline with this one is it it really does make for the most part no sense like I think there's there's about there there's the little bit of a throughput of okay so you have to find Sturba and kill her because werewolves are going to do bad things okay because reasons yeah. but yeah the story the the entire storyline is werewolves like to have orgies and eat that's it that's basically what it comes down to orgy 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 then they'll eat somebody orgy orgy orgy. They only. I really want to become people. a werewolf. <laughs> yes. It's a compelling pitch. And I was actually sort of on board with those. Those guys were jerks. <laughs> well, and especially when you talk about the one, uh, the one, one werewolf guy, the whatever the, you know the. The second in command male werewolf, what was his name? Vlad, I guess it was. And <laughs> it's just constantly going into like fits of like. <laughs> I wanted to. Uh, that's this is the movie that makes I think makes us want to have a video podcast is because there's so much that you could <laughs> yeah, show this, from this. This has to be seen for sure. Yeah. This is uh, well. That's the thing is it's a weird thing. You would assume that the sounds werewolves would make would be. Like the howls that we did at the beginning, yeah. or or growls, not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, suddenly, it's uh, that's so... the sounds that are made by these werewolves. He's doing his best, build the cat impression. Yes, <laughs> but uh, but no, it's. I think it's it's hilarious because of course at the beginning when the when the one. When the one um, werewolf who is in California decides to go kill the bikers for no apparent reason with the clan of werewolves that are in California, too. Um, it's it's one of those cases where it's just like she calls them by howling. It makes sense in a movie called The Howling, but it's 
from that point on, there's so very little actual howling going on. <laughs> it's kind of howling light at that point, yeah. It's kind of werewolf light. I mean, I'm sure we cut away to a werewolf that I think they're just using the the first one's transformation effect or whatever. But other than the the werewolf threesome, there's a lot of like werewolf sex in this, but there's only one uh, werewolf like wolfed out sex scene, which had more back hair, maybe more back hair than. Ninja <laughs> Three: The Domination, <laughs> um, but nobody turns into a werewolf in this one. Well, it it they turn into werewolf, but we don't see a full transformation, which made me think that they recycled all of the transformation stuff from the first film, maybe or from other. Oh yeah, films. it's just cut in there. Because I, I never saw the first film, so I'm just like I took a I decided to go into this blind, not mm-hmm. knowing the rest of the Howling franchise. All eight of them. <laughs> <laughs> How many are there? <laughs> I, I do believe it's eight. Oh, it it has to come up again. I mean, anytime you have like howling for the marsupials, there are indeed. We got to get to it. Yep, there are indeed eight. Yes, yeah. Now the director, of course, didn't go to do another uh, do another one of them. No, I would assume I would assume he did uh, what music videos after this. Well, and I'm wrong. Philip Mora did uh, Howling Three. Did he do? Yeah. Well, 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 good for him. Now I want to see Howling 3 as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, still, let's get back to her outfit. You know the one I'm talking about. Oh, oh yes, for sure. Uncle you mean the player. leather and metal bikini with the, I want to say, pussy high hooker <laughs> Uh Higher than that. It's like, it's like they took, like, and that's the thing about this movie. It's like, it's like most of the, uh, the, the, costumes in this movie look to me like they were clearly just what do we have around in other sets oh that's from a gladiator movie well put that helmet on somebody's head then that's where we'll be enough to me and what's that that looks like it's from a science fiction movie well put that on that person that's where we'll be enough to me like that seemed to be the whole the whole set design and and especially the, the costumes in this thing but hers i mean i swear to god they must have taken part of a spaceship to make those thigh <laughs> things on her, and then welded it on. She couldn't sit down in it. it. It looked incredibly uncomfortable, but it's memorable. Well, and it's a it's a five piece outfit because the uh, the the leggings are not attached to the main body part, uh, which is what makes them look extra weird because they mm-hmm. the, the leggings come up and then out, kind of like job purse. Uh, <laughs> but good there's, there's job space. Purse, wow. Oh, thank you. There's space where you can see her 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 buttocks and thigh between the two two pieces of clothing. Which I mean, I was paying close attention. I was watching how I was very intrigued by how this uh, by this costume design. Yes, it uh, really eye catching. As you should be. Uh, <laughs> but it was yeah, amazing outfits that she's almost wearing in this movie. And takes off. <laughs> Actually, uh, this season I've been impressed with Sybil Danning's costumes throughout i'm i'm kind of wondering if she comes with like a fashion designer that's <laughs> written into her contract or something every every movie we've done so far has had a mention i think of her wardrobe so oh yeah and, and <laughs> not everyone will not just because she fills out a wardrobe really well which she does but but it's true like and and her wardrobe tastes do tend towards this i mean, I mean obviously when you have a body like that you 
definitely want to accentuate it. So she does a great job of that. And, and her wardrobe choices always do a great job of that. Well, what I want to know is when we come to the wardrobe is like, she's wearing that one. We're talking about the crazy one with the thigh high spaceship, whatever. And then why did she change before the battle against Christopher Lee? That happens like two minutes later. When did she find time and why was she wearing something different? Well, you know, she found the same amount of time that uh, that every one of our heroes found to reload the guns um, in between <laughs> shooting the bullets. <laughs> I freaking love that. There's there's a bit where uh, everyone's arming up to go after the werewolves yes. and uh, Red Brown. He's like, I'll, I'll take that gun. It's the only gun you have, and uh, it's loaded with silver bullets. So that's more my speed than you know an axe or a crossbow. But it's like a five-shot rifle, and he takes nothing else with him. Um, <laughs> and and I feel like we're gonna ask for at least another for some handful. reason. Say that's made of titanium. Yeah, yeah, because titanium yeah, was yeah, silver wasn't enough. So yeah, they, they start talking about how titanium's even better at were- killing werewolves. Yes, they no needed reason. yeah the werewolf lore, and this is a little loose. <laughs> you don't Trans- say Transylvanian werewolves. So, yeah. you know, you might, I know less about that. It's 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 a whole different you know subspecies of, of werewolf. Yeah, I mean that's really. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's it's okay. I mean, you've it, it's not like there's a whole series of these movies that uh, that you need to worry about some kind of big uh, mythology from. Oh wait, <laughs> I don't know what. I want to watch all of them. Yes, now. yes, I know. <laughs> and speaking it, of Transylvania, is it isn't that is that part of Romania or where exactly is that? Like, I'm just trying to think of whether or not that was wasn't that a communist country at this point in time? Yeah, I feel like, a, but then so would have Czechoslovakia been communist? Ah, good point. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I guess you can get there. You don't need papers. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if they can sneak Captain America. Into, uh, <laughs> into oh, the Soviet Captain lock. America. I, I, here's a piece of trivia for this film. I mean, because the one guy who's like Christopher Lee when he's performing looks like he's trying to remain like, like have all his dignity. Like he's trying not to lose his dignity in this thing. And apparently he was like did not enjoy this experience. He went up to Joe Dante, who directed the original Howling on Gremlins. And the first thing he said to him was, I apologize for being Howling too." You know, when the start of Jocks apologizes, you know. You know. It's a bad film. It really is. Yeah, he was trying to keep all his dignity, but this was, yeah. That's an uphill battle for sure. (laughs) Now, I mean, the director did say that that Christopher Lee, Lee was always a complete professional and never had any problems with anybody on set. Makes sense to me. Yeah, he would be a professional, but... He doesn't mean he was he wanted to be there. Actually, actually, I, I I'm unsure if it was a negative filming experience. I think he was embarrassed once he saw the film. Yeah, I mean, you, you often don't know when you're actually making it. I mean, he would have seen only his parts. If you had seen Red Brown's stuff while you were filming it, you might have had a better idea of where this was going. <laughs> and, and let's be good and honest. I mean, Christopher Lee. As much as I love Christopher Lee. He's still done a lot of really awful movies. I mean, yeah, yeah. and with yeah, Red Brown. <laughs> yes. is, he, I mean, is he the uh, Saints of Boogaloo yet? He or is. whatever we're calling it from now on? Yes. 
Yeah, Reb is a saint, yes. No, not Reb. Christopher Lee. No, he's not. We've only seen a couple of Christopher Lee movies so far. Well, Christopher Lee needs to go into the whatever we're calling the yeah. the new name of the uh, the Hall of Fame for this show. Because, I mean, yeah, we've only seen a couple, but he's Christopher freaking Lee. Yes, I mean, he, he definitely uh, – I mean, the thing is, is that Christopher Lee brings – Christopher Lee magic to everything. How are we going to call that now? I don't know. And now's not the time to figure that out. But um, <laughs> it's co- it's called uh, uh, Call Film Showdown. Your sister is a saint. <laughs> yeah, that works for me. One thing one thing I'd like about this though is the fact that when Christopher Lee's in it, they used Christopher Lee to you know, the maximum amount that they could because they did have his voiceovers. They did have him saying these awesome, cool words and stuff like that. So, I mean, there was, there was no question that it's just like, yeah, we got Christopher Lee. Let's use him. Yeah. But at the same time, his voiceover and stuff is completely unnecessary. I have no, was he casting spells? Well, perhaps it was unnecessary, and maybe, and I think he was like, you know, praying, casting spells, whatever. I mean, it, you know, everything is open to interpretation with this movie. <laughs> I think like what you're saying is that they took the same uh, approach to Christopher Lee in this film as they did to the song by Stephen Parsons. Yes, we're going to use him, and we're going to use it, and we're going to use it. Less is more, as evidenced by the uh, by, or actually in this case, more is less. Or in this case, actually, I was going to say it's it's evidenced by the the end credits, but in the end credits case, more is more. All right. In our search for the ultimate B movie, we rate each film in five categories, none of which is whether or not your sister is a werewolf. Uh, our a first werewolf category. <laughs> our first category is called schlock appeal, and we start with Stan. Well, it's it's funny because in the in the California part, I would have said I would have said this is a five. You know, we're we're at a pretty decent movie that actually seemed like it was trying to be a horror movie. I wasn't sure where it was going, and then of course we get to Transylvania, and it shoots up probably to an eight or a nine because everything in Transylvania is just completely crazy. But then. We reach the epilogue, and finally we hit the credits. And once we hit the credits, then everything officially just bumped up past everything else. And so I'm going to go with a 10. Yeah, um, this definitely has, uh, rates high on the schlock. I mean, this movie is entirely sold on uh, werewolves and tits. Eight. Also an eight. <laughs> werewolves and tits is a great pitch. For <laughs> yes. I will say. That's, if you're going to pitch a film. Well, maybe we'll come. Uh, might have that might have adversely affect my crazy concept. <laughs> now that you've pitched it that way, uh, yeah. The, I mean, the especially the 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 two different titles of uh, you know werewolf bitch or your sister is a werewolf. Those are amazing names. Uh, and uh, I was I always love when I when the name itself is enough for me to go. Like to tell someone this is gonna what I'm gonna be watching. They, that sounds both terrible and enjoyable. Oh my God, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, nine for me as well. Uh, more heart than budget. Well, nobody else gave it a nine. You can't say as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one. <laughs> Give me the nine. Uh, okay, is that was that was that germane to something? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Nine for me as well. I'm like, as well as who? <laughs> or should I say, oh. oh, yeah. 
I also gave it a rating is really what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Good, good on you. <laughs> I also rated it. Yeah. Okay. Do we do we have a budget? Uh, we do not have a budget I, that I could find. You know, yeah, I, I mean, and it's and again, it's interesting because because this feels like they did everything that they could with twelve dollars. <laughs> you know, I think it felt like all the money went into to hiring Christopher Lee and to dressing uh, Sybil Danning. But the thing is, is that I understand. I think I, I try to understand what the director was going for, and I try to understand the whole like wanting to make it this lush and artistic-looking piece with lots of cutaways and lots of weird colors and and tits and you know all sorts of orgies and that kind of thing. So I think the thing is, is that he he achieves that goal on a few levels, but the problem is, is that it's it's held back by the consistent level of crap that, that is on the screen. So it's it's hard, but I feel like, I, I don't know what Red Brown is doing, but I feel like, damn, Christopher Lee and Sybil Danning and everybody else was sure given their, their dandest. So I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you'd call what this movie has heart. It certainly feels like a real movie for the first 20 minutes and then you kind of get oh this isn't going anywhere uh but everyone i i think the key to this movie is they hired professionals to act in it so you know they sort of pull it off and it sort of has a vibe for the first beginning but i don't know if you're gonna call it heart i'm i'm gonna say they have just as much heart as they do budget so i have to go with a five hmm to hire professionals to act in this, and Red Brown. And, and Red Brown, exactly. <laughs> and also, Red Brown was there. <laughs> we all were thinking the same joke as soon as he said that. Yeah, let's, uh, let me see, recycled sets, recycled specials, shots of special effects, recycled uh, costumes, clearly, I mean. Um, professional actors, sure, Christopher Lee seems the only one who actually cared about his performance. Uh Gratuitous sequel um, for. I, I I went very much the opposite direction here. I think uh, really what the director was trying for. I, I think that Sybil Danning thought she was she was doing Shakespeare. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think Christopher Lee thought he was doing any one of a hundred Christopher Lee movies, and he, <laughs> he he brought the level that he brings to uh, to, to a horror train or a, something like that, <laughs> where he's playing the same character because you hired Christopher Lee to play that guy. It, um, he his performance does have that certain uh, hammer appeal in this movie, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it? It doesn't. He doesn't. It doesn't feel out of place. This could have been done by Hammer. Just. It would have been better. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, it would have had better production quality. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that that's I think that's the feel they were going for. Uh, I think that the sex stuff probably. Um, I'm going to guess he would have gone further. The director would have gone further that direction. Like I think he wanted more of like the hunger. Uh, yeah. Like se- like a you know like well, sexy erotic. One thing horror. about it was it, it originally was shot as more of a comedy with horror elements. 
and was recut without the director's knowledge to be more of a and producer's knowledge to be more of a horror with some comedy. All right. Um, well, was there comedy? Were there jokes? I I know. I know. I don't, I don't that know. What was the original plan? I, I laughed a lot. I don't know. Oh yeah, about. for sure. The end of like, <laughs> well, boy, oh boy, yeah. the last fifteen twenty minutes. I mean, <laughs> like that's all, that's all, all right. I was doing. Seven for me. What the fuck moments? Ah, uh, well, my first what the fuck moment is uh, is Reb Brown. That's that seems a great place to start because, boy, oh boy, you talk about hiring actors and and I love Reb Brown, but. Damn, he, every scene he was in was like a lead balloon, basically. Um, so, so I mean, you know, Jim, you you kind of talked about it being the best, the you know, the best image. And Christopher Lee in the club when they put those glasses on him, was he supposed to be hiding out because he wore the glasses? Because. <laughs> You have to explain those glasses a little bit more. You can't just say the glasses. Yeah, okay. So so it's a new wave club and and in the 80s with the whole new wave, they had those really skinny sunglasses that were that you know, were just kind of Full yeah, on Jordy LaForge glasses. Yeah. And so so a bartender was putting those on him when we first see him in the club, which didn't make a whole lot of sense. And meanwhile, he is the you know, by probably about sixty years, the oldest guy in the club, <laughs> and and it's just like I was wondering. Oh, are the, I assume that those sunglasses are supposed to help him blend in with the crowd, despite the fact that he's hanging back wearing orange and red or whatever the hell it was, and everybody else is wearing black. Well, he spies on the one werewolf. <laughs> it was. Uh, it's it's like you went to the bartender and said, "Can you make me look like kids today?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, and, and then, and then, so I mean, there's this fantastic point where, where you know, Red Brown does not believe that his sister is a werewolf, and so they go to see Christopher Lee in his, in his, you know, apartment, um, you know, business in L.A. or wherever they are, and and he gives them sil- bullets tipped with silver. Now the thing is, is that he gives. Them, what there's like two or three bullets but then thankfully when red brown actually pulls out the rifle which the bullets happen to work in which is quite amazing and he seems to fire off so many bullets that i assume are these all silver tipped bullets <laughs> there's a great point the second that we hit uh, transylvania there's there's a scene with hitchhikers that are kind of you know, flouncing around in the Transylvania backwoods and they get picked up by the werewolves and then in a big truck and kind of eaten immediately. And it's this, this throwaway scene. And, and maybe that's one of the comedy scenes that we were talking about. Yeah. Th- but did you notice we could still see the fat guy uh, <laughs> as they were making eating sounds and stuff? He's just there. I also love so Reb Brown was able to without any issue bring his gun with him from California to Transylvania. Apparently him being a I think I think he was a cop in Montana supposedly so apparently that was okay for him to bring his gun to Transylvania. This is yeah, pre 9/11. Travel <laughs> restrictions were much looser. <laughs> Um, from a filmmaking perspective, the variety of wipes that they use to get from scene to scene in this is quite amazing. I, I'm not sure if there was a star wipe, but damn, there was a lot of different 
kind of wipes. I and, was waiting for one. I was I was consciously waiting. For yes, one. <laughs> and and it's like wow. Um, as far as what the fuck goes, werewolf sex. Damn that that threesome that werewolf sex threesome was one of the weirdest looking things you'll ever see. Um, oh, another joke that they had in was when when uh, Reb and the and his your friend checked into the hotel and they gave them room 666 in a hotel without six floors. Oh, how does that work? <laughs> I told you it was supposed to be a comedy. <laughs> and then uh, and then another thing like as they're walking to the castle, the whole group is walking to the castle and and like they've got so it's it's like our our two main stars and then you've got the the preacher and then after that you've got like two other guys that are that are just kind of there and i noticed that they kept shifting the the other guys as one would die they would keep shifting another guy that wasn't a star to the back and i was just like wow you're totally the star trek red shirt guy aren't you <laughs> i had exactly that thought <laughs> Exactly that thought. It's just like... Yeah, expendable crew member. Yes. And, and always getting thrown to the back and, all, and oddly enough, thrown to the wolves in this case. But uh, <laughs> quite, quite literally. Yes. And then, There's also a point in, the, in those scenes where they decide to split up for no apparent reason. Yeah, it's true because it's, yeah. they know okay, where they're we're going. We're all injured and well, not doing very well. More specifically. Let's split up immediately. More specifically, they say let's split up and then don't split up. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, let's, let's split up, and then there's five more minutes of them as a group yeah. before they actually split up. <laughs> and, and then finally, the the world's greatest credit sequence ever, which edited to the music to the music that the the song that has played 900 times to this point which features probably another 20 times of Sybil Danning 17 of Sybil Danning ripping off her top and revealing her breasts and I'm like you totally knew the audience that you were so, going for trivia 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 for you uh the director's cut the original cut the the one that was more tongue in cheek had it only five times. And the producer called the director and said, I'm thinking of adding in some more. And the director said, well, if you're crazy enough to do that, go for it. Ended up with 17 times she rips off her shirt and ends her in the end credits for gratuitous nudity. Also, Sybil Danny did not want to be nude in this film at all and agreed to do one shot after some negotiations. <laughs> she saw this. She was pissed <laughs> majorly pissed well yeah I mean you paid I, her for I the shot and then used it throughout the entire film if they just kept cutting there occasionally well you know what it's the same thing as, as using Christopher Lee a lot and using the song a lot we paid you for it we're gonna use it as much as we can see so, yeah I mean to, to me like I, as again that credit scene just whatever I thought of the whole movie leading up to it that credit scene instantly makes it a 10 Oh, uh, for for me, it was the werewolf sex. I, actually, the the sex in this film is really strange. Other than Simul Danning's scene, and there's a lot of nudity, it's really unappealing sex. <laughs> it's it, well because it, it's a lot of like arm motions and like. <laughs> 
and weird like tongues and like and when everybody walks they've they like any werewolf walks they've got to have their arms behind them pushed out behind them like they're they're attempting to take flight in some sort of yoga pose or something like that but it was just weird because i mean you you got orgies happening throughout the entire movie and no time did you get the feeling that anyone wanted to be there. Um, and the only thing more uncomfortable than those orgy scenes was Red Brown's sex scene, where I'm not sure if he was, like, into it at all. I, I, I have a piece of trivia on the orgy scenes for the werewolves. This was meant to be the 10,000th anniversary, according to the director, of the bi-curious werewolf queen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Oh yes, let, let, I, I don't want to step in. I just stepped on on too no, much. Yeah, Nick, go, but, go ahead. They're talking but, orgies. But Christopher Christopher Lee makes a point of saying that this is the ten thousandth anniversary, and all I could think is like this week. Like, <laughs> like what are the odds that like ten thousand years? <laughs> what's, what's that like? Five hundred thousand weeks, and. Uh, this this week this week is the anniversary. Yeah, uh, but no, but in fairness, I mean he's her brother, and so they <laughs> she should know. Uh, I mean you know and oh no, yeah and they're, they're ready. and they're supposed to be wed. Oh wait, now we're getting into the end. <laughs> um, actually, as long as we're talking about the anniversary thing, why does Christopher Lee think it's a good idea to attack them at the height of the full moon? <laughs> when they're all have to transform into werewolves running out of time running out of time and and i have a question so this this is my question then <laughs> is is so so okay i mean we we talk about like silver anniversaries and gold so ten thousand <laughs> years like what what is that is that a titanium anniversary That's titanium yeah. Yeah. yeah traditionally uh titanium um yeah no uh the other wtf uh I didn't quite get why the the they called her their new daughter, uh, the 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 beautiful black woman uh, that seems to be a major plot point that nobody understood in this film. <laughs> um, why? Yeah. Why, why was she there? And at one point, she wears a dress with one breast exposed, which I actually really appreciated, but. When you have a dress that has a boob window, is the boob window the feature or <laughs> I, I I don't know. Um, yeah, this movie didn't make a lot of sense, but I, I don't know if the WTF was real. The WTFs were really WTFs. I think some of it was just vibe and uh, trying to make a prod rock. Uh, uh, the werewolf movie that didn't really work with Red Brown. Um, it's high, but not astronomically high. I'm only going with a seven. Hmm, interesting. I see the WTS in this as being an eight, except we have that end sequence. <laughs> <laughs> just, that, that credit sequence, 17 times we see the woman's breasts to the music. You know, perfectly sequenced to the music. It is the most gratuitous thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I have seen some gratuitous films. 
Yeah, You're talking to a man who's seen some like gratuitous it. things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have seen. I know gratuity, and this was a whole other level. It's a 10 based on that alone. But I got to tell you, one of my favorite WTFs is they build up the final confrontation between Christopher Lee and Civil Danny so much, so much. And she starts off casting spells at him. Then he just kind of walks forward. She walks forward. He pulls out a knife and, sh- and stabs her, and that's it. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> but that's it's the exact same way when the when the uh, the beautiful black woman dies uh, from Red Brown, and and he just walks up to her basically <laughs> and and just shanks her, and it's just like, yep, yeah, that's it. Why did like seem like anybody could do this for? Hey, I'm just gonna you know, like no effort whatsoever. The actual killing of her. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm a 10. I mean, I'm a 10 based on that end sequence. That end sequence is a 50. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not forget, we only see, like, maybe four werewolf deaths. There's, like, 100 of these guys. They, they just yeah. shoot most of them. Like, there's, uh, yes. It, it's the, the big confrontation town. is just shooting them, like, is a the bunch of the time. Is the entire town supposed to be werewolves? Is the entire Transylvania town supposed to be werewolves here? I think so. I don't know. Well, no, no, I think they're just... Want to say yes? <laughs> no, I, I think they're just, um, they're just aiders and abettors. Because, like, <laughs> when, like, people are running through the streets covered in blood... Or little people are shoved out of out of windows, and of course there was a little person for no reason because movies like this always do that. When a little person is shoved out of a window and ends up impaled, nobody seems to react like, "Oh my God, let's call the police" or anything. Everyone just keeps on dancing because there's a festival going on. It's Transylvania. There are no police because we all know that Count Dracula is the police. I I know I moved on from my turn, but can we talk about how Red Brown? Asks for directions to the airport. <laughs> the very, very, yeah, yeah. Goes, walks up to the one guy playing an instrument. There's like 8,000 people on the street. Yeah, and he walks up to the one guy on stage playing his instrument. He puts the gun directly between his eyes and asks for directions to the airport. And, and keep and in mind, this reaction is the point is the direction he's actually going. Sorry, what's that? We've escaped the werewolves. These people are just having a festival. Red Brown walks in the middle of town with a girl covered in blood, points a gun at the most prominent person in the street, directly to the temple, and asks for directions to the airport. Unbelievable. And like I say, the guy just points in the direction he was already going, and they keep going that direction. I'm like, what was the (laughs) point of that? And and I also want to know how did the girl get so covered with blood? They put a little bit of blood on her arms, and then the next time we see her, she's suddenly like, like it's like she was bathing in blood. I thought they I thought they had her chained to a fountain in there that just wasn't that clear. <laughs> oh man, where does where does one go? I. I, I can't think of anything more American than putting a gun to someone's head and asking for directions. <laughs> that's, that's just that they've written an ugly American is what they've done there. Uh, the, uh, you mentioned the, uh, uh, the, the expendable crew members, the, uh, the, the, the priests who are, are really only introduced so that they can get some body count on the good guy's side. And, uh, one of them is a uh, is a heavier set 
uh, priest, and uh, he is uh, he's eaten. Uh, yes. And, and uh, oh, they clear. They they did a they did a face cast. They did like a whole mannequin style face so that they could really tear it apart. But they stay on it too long, and it's too well lit for the budget that they have. <laughs> so you have to spend. And it, quite a quite a noticeable amount of time watching a fake face being torn apart. <laughs> yeah, I, remember, I remember looking at that, going, "Oh, that's not a bad special effect." And then, as it, as it stayed on there, like three minutes later, I'm going, "That's not good at all." <laughs> like the longer we're staying on it, the more I'm thinking, "This is not a good special effect." And then the worst part too is that it's a terrible special effect that leads you to it because it's Sybil Danning's, um, you know, like. Um, uh, you know, like talisman, I guess, or whatever. That's kind of this floppy, um, werewolfy kind of pterodactyl creature thing. Yes, I, I, I said the gargoyle made of sun-dried tomatoes. Yeah, yeah yes, and, and I mean, <laughs> you know, and she finally like enchants it to go and attack this guy, and it's just like and. And that special effect right there reminded me slightly more of Rock and Roll Nightmare and Thor facing the Beelzebub, you know. Oh, I'm going to hold this thing to my face, you know. See the, I see the resemblance there for sure. <laughs> uh, the uh, the editing, those editing trans, tra- transitions that are straight out of uh, uh, video effects, Um at home library. It's like, it's the kind of transitions you would do on your home movies. Um, and it, it isn't much further, much away from a star fade. I was kind of, I was actually waiting for one to show up. Um, that, uh, and it, and those make more sense if it's a comedy. They make no sense if it's a, if it's In a, a dramatic series. movie for sure. Yeah. When, when you talk about like diamond wipes, it's just like, yeah. Oh, that's a poor choice. <laughs> If you're doing like that uh, that Wynorski Transylvania movie that we watched, absolutely, yeah, they totally would have made sense in that context. Uh, Transylvania twist. Transylvania twist. Thank you. Uh, the uh, I think the last thing I want to mention is just there's one exchange of dialogue that uh, I was actually going to go with a nine, but this exchange of dialogue bumps at that extra point. The uh, the love interest, who I I will say is. She, she reminded me through the whole film of the librarian who's just about to shake her hair and become all beautiful and then doesn't. <laughs> she just stays the bookish reporter through the whole thing. Um, I, I like that she makes a move on rep. Though, yep. that, like they're checking the hotel and she's hey, he's like, we'll have two rooms, you know, respectably. And she's like, no, we just need the one. Um, there's yeah, been no like, chemistry. With a Vista. <laughs> and then three the minutes later, they're boning. In, in the room, and I'm like, why was he not wanting to get laid? What was his reasoning there? But then, oh, be respectful. But and then, the only explanation. and then you have the epilogue, of course, with the Halloween handing out the Halloween candy to the werewolf kid that didn't <laughs> exist, and the and the weird like um, guy a guy in the apartment across, and it's just like, oh wow, setting up a sequel, I guess. <laughs> No. The Howling no, Three, your next door neighbor's kid is a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. So, so the, the, the exchange is the two, Reb, Reb and, the, and his lady friend are out on the street and, uh, and they're walking along this festival that's going on. The, the festival that is one block long that is happening the, for two thirds of the film. And he's, 
she says, hey, you see that? You see that dwarf staring at us? Yeah. Should we follow him? Yeah, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I I could answer all of the – I probably have a a longer answer for why not, but (laughs) – Well, and then there was the part, of course, too, where where Reb Brown went off to do something and wound up with the dwarf and finding – Finding uh, Sturba's, um, you know, castle, and he leaves her with a guy who we assume that is a good guy, but it turns out no, he's actually not a good guy. And I'm like, did you just leave her with some random dude on the street? He did. There's no explanation of of why they know that guy yeah. or who he's supposed to be. And then he like tries, to, and then he puts the moves on her. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and and I think he was a werewolf because because when they came and got him, and it's just like she's not for you. Oh, I guess. And so, yeah, it's... Well, wasn't he the bellhop at the the hotel? Mm. Was he though? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> that would make. I. I mean, I guess that would help it make a little bit of sense. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> uh, and and the and I, I I'm assuming that uh, that you looked up the number. Uh, there, Jack, but uh, I counted the 17 boom re- boob reveals. Because uh, <laughs> after the first couple, I'm like, how many times? times I, I'm probably going to need to know later how many times this is. Well, here's here's the thing. Here's the reason I didn't. I, I mean, I should have. I should have gone back. But I know I'll be watching that end credits again. I, yeah. I, I don't have any. I don't have any questions about that. The movie's over. So, like most movies, I'm like, okay, the movie's over. I'm going to the bathroom. I hear. <laughs> I, I'm in the bathroom and I hear this. This this music going off, scratch, ah, scratch, ah, and I'm like, is something going on in the end credits? Is there is there a, a second epilogue I'm missing? And I walked out of the bathroom to see her rip her shirt off. That was probably twelve out of seventeen. I think I missed the first eleven, <laughs> and I went, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, it is something. A ten for me as well. Memorable moments. Well, you know. Obviously, like all memorable moments, pretty much begin and end with Sybil Danny in this case. I mean, her, her ripping off and revealing her breast—that's that's that's never leaving my mind. But uh, and also the outfit—that outfit is completely memorable. Um, I would also say that I think just from sheer repetition, the music is going to be completely memorable, and that and that band in the club. Um, I think, I, I don't know that there's going to be so much within the movie. I think it will just actually be more of a, like a, a feel, um, almost a sense of like, when I think of the howling too, I'm, I'm going to remember the movie in that, in just like the kind of the feel of the movie and the sheer, just ridiculousness of it. Um, and, and how absolutely terrible Red Brown was in this. But, uh, so for me, and that's I'm gonna... my rep bath standards. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> it's so true. Like, like in this, in this case, and normally Reb Brown isn't exposed in a Reb Brown vehicle because everybody else is of, you know, similar terrible quality acting. In this case, there's actually some people around him that can act and manage to do a decent job. And so he is kind of exposed and it's just like, oh. Oh, hmm, that's a tragedy. But but he's still red brown, and he's still awesome. But um, so I'm gonna go with a seven. 
I I think this movie is naturally an eight when you take into the effect of um, you know Sybil Danning, uh, boob shots, uh, prod rock, werewolves, but then you have to add in the drag factor of human null Reb Brown. So I'm only giving it a six. Oof, man. Well, I, for me, we have a rare double because usually the WTFs cancel out the memorable moments. In this case, I don't care if there isn't a single other memorable moment. That boob shot, because I saw it so many times repeated in such a quick fashion, and we'll see it 17 times repeated in a quick fashion in the future, I can tell you the exact the exact camera shot that it happened at. I could tell you the lighting. I remember everything because I saw it over and over and over again. We have a rare double. I don't care about anything else. It's a 10 based solely on the end credits and the topless shot. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry if I sound like a pig. I'm being honest here. This thing was amazing. <laughs> Are you going to remember it associated with this movie? Though? Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. I will. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that. Like the only thing about this movie I remember. <laughs> I do think that uh, I do think that uh, this partway through this movie, when when we start really getting a, a lot of Sybil Danning screen time, that's when I was like so happy that we were doing this season. Like this, this is this is the, this is what we wanted of a Sybil Danning is this movie. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Just you know, she's in her element in this case. Like she's just she thinks she, like you say she thinks she's doing Shakespeare. And they managed to to squeeze a topless shot out of her. So you know, applause. <laughs> it's uh, I think I think it was well put by um, by uh, Roger Ebert when he said it's not Civil Danny's worst movie, but it's close. <laughs> oh, uh, I love it. <laughs> oh, lighten up, Roger. Uh, eight for me. Uh, crazy concept. Well. You know, I mean, we automatically have to take some points off because it is a sequel, and any time you have a sequel, and especially once you hit eight of them, then, I mean, now that being said, I mean, I, I, I think maybe there's a tipping point on sequels where by the time you hit sequel number six, seven, or eight, then it's probably tipped back into a crazy concept again. But in this case, in two, probably not so much. Um, I do think... Hiring Reb Brown seemed a, a little bit of an odd choice. The whole, the whole like Transylvania thing, like it's so. I think hiring a director who'd never done a horror movie and who was really more of an art director to helm this movie and then expect it to be either a a comedy or b a sexy werewolf movie. I think that was a little bit crazy. Overall. It's a mishmash. I'm kind of torn on it, so I'm going to go to go with the. Uh, I'm going to go with five. Yeah, it's weird for a movie to go this far off the the rails. Uh, you think there have to be some really crazy shit in there, but on a whole, you kind of get the sense they were okay. Howling one made money. We got the rights. Um, what's hot right now? Well. There's this new wave thing happening. Let's do a modern take on the werewolf movie. 
And then you hire the most obvious people. I mean, Sybil Danning at this point is doing the Sybil Danning thing. She's like, yeah, we we, we got enough money for her. Uh, Christopher Lee is at a weird point in his career where, you know, you can hire him for a couple bucks. Uh, Reb Brown, I mean, he's terrible, but at the time they kind of thought he was going to be something, I think. So, well, yeah, it's not terribly <laughs> crazy, I don't think. Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1986. This isn't 1976. Oh, oh, okay. New and wave is not exactly new with this. He was <laughs> almost something at one point. <laughs> it's it's middle aged wave at this point. <laughs> but I mean, he I mean, he was he was a name, and he was sort of a leading man. He just didn't have any talent for it. I don't think it was terribly crazy. I'm only going with his ex. I'll agree he was a name. <laughs> he has a name. Yes. Yeah. He had two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Reb and Brown. I mean he's the same he's a saint. I mean he is a saint. Oh no I mean movies he pops up in a lot of movies as a star. Oh my god. A lot of our movies as a star. And I think that's yeah. the that's the important <laughs> thing to know. That's the important thing, yeah. He uh, had fans. Some people knew who he was. Well, damn right. <laughs> Saints of the Octagon. Uh, <laughs> just spitballing there. Is it, is it my turn? Because uh, this movie yeah, is a sequel. Ahead. There's nothing. It, it's a sequel. It's it's not. It's generic. Blah blah it, blah. It doesn't have anything you know to what? do with the original. Hey, let me finish. You know what is not generic? What is the craziest concept I've ever seen in my entire life? was 17 breast shots for no reason in a three-minute span during the end sequences. Uh, just ensuring that you could never be seen on television. Um, that is the craziest thing I've ever seen in a movie. Like, honest to God. Uh, and it pushes it way up for me to a nine. It's uh, I, th- I think some parts of it are a, are a regular pitch, but it's... And if it was mixing genres, it would also be a, a reasonable pitch. But they mix genres like they're pulling them out of a hat rather than <laughs> for an artistic reason. Like, like that idea of and, – and it makes a bit more sense knowing that like different people involved in the production had different ideas of what kind of movie this was supposed to be, um, that it is this mix of horror and erotic thriller and – comedy and whatever genre Red Brown is. Uh, <laughs> but Red Brown and Christopher Lee as a, uh, as, as a, as a crime fighting duo is, uh, is itself enough for a couple extra points for me. Uh, eight for me. That's a good, you know what? I'm going to bump it up to seven because you know, you, the last two of you have made uh, have made a good compelling argument on why five is too low. <laughs> Bress and Christopher Lee and Red Brown as a crime fighting duo. Okay, you're right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, that brings us to the end of the balloting. And uh, now we just have to wait for a recount in Arizona. And I can give a... <laughs> All right. The, the grand total is a very respectable 78 out of 100. Which puts wow, it, yeah. uh, one ahead of Hots and tied with Rotor. 
uh, which it's is just top 20, right? Yeah, that'd be top 20. Top 15? Uh, I don't know. I can't count this. High. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't ask. Dude just watched Howling 2. My score for it is an 83. Like if you had, if, if everybody maxed my scores, it would have gotten an 83. I had it way up there. Tied, tied for 15th to be precise uh, on the uh, on the octagon. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, this is, it's such a strange movie because it does have that, it does have that opening, you know, the, the opening part in California where you're just, it feels like you're going to get like some sort of standard horror movie and then it just goes completely nuts. And like you say, the last 15, 20 minutes or whatever is a nonstop, constant laugh. Fest. It's it's just, and and not because it's a funny movie. No. But because not it's so, yeah, it's so bad that we're just laughing our ass off. And in fairness, that's what this show is about. The last 15 yeah. to 20 mm-hmm. minutes nail what this show is about. Oh, yeah, this, is, this was joyful to watch. Yes. I, 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 you know, I said my wife was, my wife was, at Lacey was there when I was watching it, and I, I said, this, this is a top 20 movie. They get, sometimes I, like, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it, but I don't know what the, what it's going to come out with the rest of the scoring, but uh, I, I knew watching this, this was a top 20 movie. Yeah. All right. Well, James, what do you say? Shall we do some business? Absolutely. Uh, we are on Instagram at the Cult Film Showdown. Uh, you can also, we've got a YouTube channel you can subscribe to. Uh, we got, uh, uh, we got, uh, we're on every podcast app there is. Uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, if you, if you like the show, if you like what we're doing, uh, if you don't like the show and want to pay us to stop, uh, the, uh, that's Patreon, uh, <laughs> uh, Cult Film Showdown. And, uh, also we are sponsored by We Talk Podcasts. We Talk Podcasts is the home of the Octagon. Uh, we have podcast.com. They also have a Facebook and they have a Twitter. You can keep up on what we're doing and what of our, all of our brother and sister, uh, podcasts and the one that is, uh, my sister's werewolf podcast. <laughs> Everybody's favorite. You know? I, I, I just want to ask, do you think this would have, if we didn't do the, the 17 topless shots in the three minutes, uh, end credits, do you think it would have been top 40? I think it still would have done well, but I think that, I, I mean, leaving us with that kind of joy of the same music video for a fourth or fifth time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and the 17 topless shots. I think it just left, like, it, cause sometimes a movie has, has a lot of, uh, schlock and, and WGF early on and then kind of tapers. This, like, this has a nice build and it, and you walk away really, uh, in a great mood <laughs> after watching this. Yes, uh, it, it's just, it's really the, yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be top 40. I think it would be probably maybe top 30. But the fact is, is that you throw that in there and any, any question of like, oh, that was an eight suddenly instantly becomes, oh, that's a 10. Exactly, exactly. All right, I well. Been, I think it would have been top 30 perhaps, top 40 for sure. But uh, it, it gained at least 15 spots, I think, based on that sequence. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, because it was so, it was so out of place and so perfect all at the same time. Well, I, I don't know if you know, but it was gratuitous. Yes, yes, it was. And gratuity is our is what we look for. Okay. Well, now we are moving on to to uh, Warrior Queen as we carry on with our Sybil Danning season. Speaking of gratuitous. <laughs> and yes, so that one uh, 
Well, I, I guess you're going to have to tune in next episode to find out how well Warrior Queen does. So, I don't know. I think we've talked a lot about Sybil Danning this episode. So, uh, what do you say, guys? Anything else to add? Closer up. Closer up. All right. So, for Jim and for Jack and for Nick, I am your host, 8th Dan Stanadu, and thanks for listening to the Cult Film Showdown. Party time. Out. It's the rocking, shocking, new way of horror. Howling to It's not over yet.